right? Everybody's got it. It's not my fault. So I've tried to avoid you. I got a couple of things real quick before I get started. First off, uh, we're going to have a quick church business meeting. Everybody with that? Call this meeting into session. If it's good with the church, I'd like to give 1500 bucks to the Gideons this morning plus an offering. Is that good? Everybody in favor say amen. amen. All right. And then um, second thing I want to challenge you on, on that, because I do still want to take up an offering. I, I like to give all we can give. Uh, if you can, if you can give personally, this is a good challenge. Most of us have never fasted, so here's a, here's you an opportunity just to impress the Lord. Uh, if you say, "Well, you know, we really don't have money because we're going out to eat after lunch," if you was to skip going out to eat, where you're going to spend twenty to forty dollars, and went, "All right, we're going to fast, and we're just going to give that money to the Gideon Ministry." And we're having lunch after, hey, what you would normally spend on lunch, because we're having lunch after church, you want to give that to the Gideon, see, that, that'd be awesome. It's going to go a whole lot farther than your meal will, amen? Y'all got quiet on that, don't you get quiet, don't get quiet. Alright, looking in Matthew chapter 3. <coughs> Matthew chapter 3. You know, it's been a long time since I preached on baptism, and since Oscar got baptized this morning, I didn't have no chance to sit down with him and talk to him a little bit beforehand because of the week that I've had. So I'm going to preach to Oscar this morning, and that way y'all can kind of join in and amen him, all right? Is he still in here? Where's he at? Right there. All right, you pay attention, boy. All right, looking in, Matthew chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 11. Thank you, Bubba. This is John the Baptist uh, preaching here. Jesus comes to him. He's been baptizing what is, what is known as the baptism of repentance. And in verse 11, he said, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you, speaking of Jesus, in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you, are you coming to me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. <clears throat> and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I'm not going to get real heavy into the doctrinal uh, side of baptism, but I do want to start off and make it really clear because there's so much confusion today in our country that there is no such thing as baptismal regeneration. Uh, baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. It doesn't save you. If you're sitting here today and I was to say, where are you going to go when you die? If you said heaven, I would ask you, why do you believe that? If you said, because I was baptized, that's not a good answer. If your hope and faith is in the fact that you've been baptized and that you're a church member, that's not what salvation is whatsoever. However, over the years, I think that because 
And if you want to go into that later with me, I'll be glad to. I can take the whole Bible and prove that without any shadow of a doubt. <coughs> and we'll look at it a little bit here this morning. But I, but what I do want to want to what I do want to say is, I think over the years, because of uh, in the Baptist Church, we have had to stand strong against that false teaching. Uh, a heretical teaching it actually came a lot out of the Catholic Church doctrine uh, and the churches that came out of that. But uh, the reason we've had to stand so strong against that false teaching, we've almost went a little bit too far on the opposite end of the scale to minimize the importance of baptism. You know, Jesus commanded us in Matthew 28 to be baptized uh, even after His resurrection. And so so it's something that is commanded of the Lord. So as I look at this, I go, all right, Lord, what is the purpose of baptism? Why is it so important? Because actually millions of believers over the years have been killed for standing for baptism and, and, the, and the truth of being baptized. Still today, over in, especially third world countries like China and Indonesia and in Korea and some of those countries uh, he was talking about there, people are being put to death because they are being publicly baptized. Understand, in those countries and in the Bible, when you look at baptism uh, in the Scripture, in the days of Scripture, it wasn't something that they came together in a building and had a heated you know, pool that they baptized in. They would go out into the public arena and they would be baptized publicly in front of all of the lost people there. And there was a purpose in that. And so, let me give you, I won't have you long this morning. But I want to give you three things that we learned from the scripture uh, to start with. Uh, notice that when Jesus came to be baptized, prior to that, John said, You're coming to me to be baptized and I need to be baptized of you. Now, baptism is a pictorial ordinance. It's a picture of something that has already taken place. Basically, one of the things you're doing when this morning when Oscar was baptized, <clears throat> he is preaching the gospel. He might not realize that, but he was preaching the gospel. He was saying Christ died, was buried, and rose again. I'm identifying with Christ, and I have been buried in Christ and raised to life. But you'll notice there that it's also a picture of something spiritual that takes place, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that when a person repents and trusts in Jesus, okay, it's a picture of Jesus. Jesus, who is the baptizer, baptizing you into his death, Holy Spirit raising you to light of a spiritual resurrection. And so in this day and in a lot of other places, we should obviously, I think, be more public with it. It's not really a family ceremony. It's good, you know, to, to be a part of it and all that. But it's more of we need to be out in a public arena to where when the world sees it, they ask the question, what's the point of this? And it gives you the opportunity to identify with and to share the gospel with people. So looking at this, first thing is it's a public confession of faith. Y'all writing this down because your kids are going to need to hear this later. Writing your Bible, you teach them, okay? It's a public confession of faith. And, and what it is, it's the result, like I said, it's a result of a previous spiritual act of God called the new birth. <coughs> Y'all bear with me this morning. <coughs> the fact that you have heard the gospel, that you believed, 
You know, everybody's saved the same exact way. As scripture points out, I won't go there, Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 13 is really clear on this, that after you have heard the word of the gospel, you've heard the good news that Jesus died for you, for your sins, was buried, and on the third day He rose again. He offers you the gift of salvation by grace through trusting in Him in faith. But when you heard the gospel, if you're saved, you heard the gospel, you believed and agreed with what God's word teaches on that, you humbled yourself and you called upon the Lord, submitting yourself to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay, And you were baptized of the Holy Spirit, raised to life at that moment. Now later on, if you have been, you were baptized in water as a picture or an expression to where you publicly confess that this has already taken place inside of you. As a result of a new heart and an inward conviction. Now let me, let me say this. I'm not saying this about Oscar, but we'll use him all morning for an illustration. <clears throat> if Oscar's mom twisted his arm and said, Oscar, I really think you need to be baptized. And Oscar's like, I really don't think I need to be baptized. And his mom was so convinced, which she's not. But if his mom was so convinced, I need my little baby to be baptized so he goes to heaven when he dies. And, and, and he's like, whatever, to satisfy mom. And so he comes up and, and we baptize him. Understand, he's, he's just as lost when he comes out of the water as he was when he went into it. And I would ask everyone, if there, there has to be a personal inward conviction. Of that you are convinced of the message of the gospel that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that He's the only way that you can be forgiven of your sins, He's the only way that you have peace with God, and that it's you turning from your sin and turning to Christ in an humble spirit and asking the Lord to forgive and to show you mercy, okay? And, and as a result of that conviction that you want to make a confession, you want to make it publicly known to identify with Christ in obedience to what He's commanded you. Now, think about this. There's a lot of people I've heard to go, you know, I'll ask them, so are you a born-again believer? Yeah, I'm a Christian. And, you know, and, and we'll talk sooner or later, we'll get on baptism. Well, I just don't, I've never been baptized. I'm not a part of a church. I don't think you have to do all that stuff. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you've never been scripturally baptized. You never publicly confessed that you're a follower of Jesus. Now, I'm going to throw some, some kinks in your gears here, and I'm going to cause you to question uh, yourself. But because what this is, it would be like, as I know everybody in here loves sports, for the most part. And, and a lot of parents nowadays, and I guess there's nothing wrong with it as long as you don't put it before the Lord and you need to teach your kids more about Jesus than you do baseball. But it, but it would be cool if your kids, you know, you was like when they was little, they had a dream of being, I'm holding my chest because I'm hurting. Um, if you, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> but if you, if you was to say, you know, your kids like, I want to play for the Texas Rangers. And you watched that little little boy grow up, and you went to his games, and you you was there, and 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 he grew up in school, and he played baseball, and and he made it to college, and no doubt he made a signing with the Texas Rangers. And let's say that 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 they they offer him a contract deal, he accepts the contract deal, he signs and enters into a contract or a covenant agreement with the Texas Rangers. Okay, then there is going to be a day where there is an announcement of this agreement. And they're going to post him on TV and they're going to have him up there and you've seen how it happens, you know, lights, cameras, actions, microphone. 
And, and they present him the jersey and the hat. You as a mom and daddy, I don't think you'd be standing in the crowd with the Orioles hat on. You'd be having the jerseys. You would be decked out. You'd be all in support of little Johnny who made it to the Texas Rangers. And now you get part of the cash flow. Amen? <clears throat> how, how awkward would it be for somebody who had something like that to happen to go, you know what, I don't know about this whole TV publicity standing in front of a crowd press conference thing. I've never seen that happen. I mean, most people, if you get signed on Texas Rangers, the first thing you're looking for is cameras. You're wanting to be seen. You want the whole world to know that you're a Texas Ranger. Even if you never make it to the field and you ride the pine, at least you got the jersey, Right? And it would be very different for you to convince me, I am a Texas Ranger, I signed with the Texas Rangers, but you know what, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I don't know about getting in front of those people. And it, you know, it just makes me uncomfortable, and, and I'm just going to keep it to myself, I really don't think you have to wear the jersey to be a Texas Ranger. And I'm not so much into going out on the field and playing, but yet we use the same logic Today with Christianity, yes, I'm a believer, but I don't think you have to, you know, be baptized. I don't think that's important. And, and no, you don't have to be baptized to be a Christian. And no, you don't have to be a part of a church to be a Christian. But I just go, why, why wouldn't you want the jersey? You'd be so proud. And a lot of you got stickers on your cars. You know, my sticker says, my kids are homeschooled. Yeah. You know, I'm proud of that. I am proud of that. I don't have that sticker. But a lot of you have stickers on your car. Maybe you have my, all my money goes to Texas A&M. And, and, and you go to some of the games and you get up there and act like a nut with your kid. And you got all the stuff on A&M, A&M. I see it all the time with parents at whatever college they go to. Parents have stickers and they've got everything to do. that they, they want everybody to know that they're a part of that. And if you're the kid that goes to that college, you identify with it and you announce it and you're proud of it. How much more proud should I be and want to make make it publicly known that I'm a born again child of the King of Kings and He is the Lord and Savior of my life. I want that known. And that's what part of baptism is, is the confession of that. And so a lot of times what we've done is we've we've went along with the world in the church to coddle people and we encourage them in their we embrace fear and embarrassment. Well, you know, I'm just kinda I'm kinda embarrassed. Well, I'll come up here at night time and we'll turn off all the lights and I'll we'll baptize you and that that kind of junk I'm like nowhere in the scriptures is Jesus embrace fear. Actually, Paul Timothy was being timid in his ministry and Paul said God has not given you the spirit of fear but a power of love and of sound mind and I wonder how many of you that invest in those things and I'm not picking on sports this morning it's just a good illustration for our culture but I wonder how many of you if you went through all the trouble to to invest in gloves and bats because you know we don't use Louisville sluggers anymore we use $500 bats and you spend all that money and the time because you know either your girl or your son wants to play and you go out there what would it be like in the coach like I want you to start is the picture today and, and you know if little Johnny wanted to come up there especially when he's 12 and hug his mom and go I just embarrassed to go out on the field I can tell you what pop would say he wouldn't be like well it's okay buddy you know you can just sit up here with us he'd be like i spent 500 bucks on a bat and you better get it out there i'm gonna use it on you 
But why is it when, when we encourage sometimes our children and we encourage adults, it's okay for you to be embarrassed. It's okay if you're uncomfortable. You know, this is something personal between you and God. Jesus said, I want you to be baptized. I want you to publicly confess that you are my follower and that I have saved you. Because here's the, here's the problem with that. <clears throat> There's a direct connect with the heart and the mouth. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, out of the heart are all the issues of life. Jesus said, out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, or out of the, yeah, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so there's a direct connect between your heart, who you are on the inside, what your personal inward conviction is, and with your mouth, how you express it. And sooner or later, what's on the inside is going to come on the outside. And so rather than justifying all of the things that you've got going on, well, I'm just nervous and I don't like being in front of people. And, and I'm sure Jesus didn't like hanging naked and bleeding to a, beating to a bloody pulp on a cross in front of everybody. But you know what? He loved us enough and His love was so great for us that He did it. Our love should override our fear. And, and, I, and if this touches on you this morning, that's good. I hope it does. But, but you know, we won't go there. But Acts chapter 9. Paul, remember who was Saul of Tarsus before he changed his name. Before he was saved, he was one who, who persecuted the church, murdered believers, had them arrested, thrown into prison. Men, women, children. You know, he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. You know the story, Acts chapter 9. He's born again. Three days later, he's baptized. And it says that he spent just a little bit of time with the disciples and it says and immediately he went into the synagogues and he preached Jesus so you can imagine if there was anybody who should be embarrassed as somebody who's been killing men, women and children and now they're standing up in front of them promoting the gospel of Christ but yet he didn't allow his fear or his past to keep him hidden in the shadows otherwise we wouldn't have most of the New Testament today and then you think about this. This is what I want you to really think about. I know a lot of times nowadays we look at the Bible and go, well, this is up to interpretation and, and you have your interpretation and I have my interpretation. I want you to interpret this. In Matthew 10, 32, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Now let's interpret that. If I don't confess Christ, He's not going to confess me. And some people might say, now hold on a second, are you saying your confession saves you? No, I'm saying a saved person confesses. That's what I'm saying. Romans chapter 10 verse 19, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you see the connection with the mouth and the heart? You will be saved. He doesn't say, if you have a secret belief of Jesus that's very personal between Him and you, it's all good. He said, how can you contain on the inside and keep it coming to the outside? So you would have to look and go, am I embarrassed of the Lord? Am I ashamed of the gospel? Because Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. He's speaking from a conviction. It is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so I have to examine my heart. How do I examine my heart? Listen to my mouth. What does my mouth say? Not when, not when I'm at church around a bunch of Christian folk, but when I'm in a world around a bunch of people who don't care nothing about Jesus. What does my mouth speak? 
What do I confess? Because this is not just a public confession. Your public confession goes with you every day. What do you say when you're around your buddies? What do you speak when you're around your co-workers? What do you speak when you're around unbelievers in your home? Do you still speak the same things you speak here? Will you lead your family men in prayer when you go to a public restaurant? Or do you ask your wife to pray? That's weak. I'll just say it. You get mad? That's weak. That's very weak and timid. You know, being a man is not throwing fists. Being a man is willing to stand up and to lead your family for Jesus. You say, I don't like that. I don't care. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Jesus didn't encourage a timid, fearful spirit. Actually, he said in Matthew chapter 5, when he's speaking to believers, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And I think there's a lot of times where people don't want to confess Jesus because their life doesn't match that confession. Rather than being a city on a hill, it looks more like a city in a hole. And we go out and we live like the world and we join in with the conversation of the world and we act like the world and we pursue the things of the world and we confess Jesus in the church on Sunday. And if you're at that place and you say, I am a born again believer and the reason that I don't say that because I don't want to look like a hypocrite, then quit living like one and repent and start being the light that God said you are. It says in the same chapter, he said, you don't take a candle and hide it under a bushel. And I thought about that verse and I thought, you know, this is just redneck logic, but if you take a bushel basket, which is a, basically a straw basket, and you light a candle and you try to hide it with that basket, what's going to happen? It's going to catch a flame and it's going to consume the basket. And there are so many of us who are trying to contain, or we say that we're containing the flame, said, I'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire. How can you in this straw basket contain the fire of God and say, oh, I'm just going to keep it hid? Sooner or later, it's going to consume the basket. It's got to come out. The new man should consume the old man. The spirit is greater than the flesh. Are y'all with me this morning? Let's not, let's not give the flesh all this glory to go, you know what, my, my old man is just so much greater than my new man and, and my flesh is stronger than the Spirit. Well then do you have the Spirit of God within you? Because the Spirit of God is what raised Jesus' body from the dead. The Spirit is always greater than the flesh. Quit giving glory to the, to the sinful flesh and give glory to God. And you know what? You start walking with it. Here's the thing. You're not ever gonna be perfect. You're not. You're not ever going to have it to where you don't fall and you don't fail and you don't make Part of confessing is when you do fail, somebody goes, look at you. You said you was a Christian. You know, a while ago you were sitting there talking to me about the Bible and now you just smashed your foot and you said a cuss word. Some of that confession is going, that's why I need Jesus. I'm confessing that He is my Lord. He's my Savior. You don't know my heart. Just repented before you even condemned me. I didn't say I was perfect. I confess He's perfect. He's the reason I need mercy. He's the reason I have grace. He's the reason I have hope. If I wasn't a sinner, I didn't need Him to start with. That's why you need Him. You know, you confess the fact that He's the Savior, not you. So don't let the devil... Keep you to where you don't confess the Lord is your Savior. Actually, that wording there, I'm going to go, I guess a little over this morning. But that wording there in Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus said, if, if you confess me before men, 
I will confess you before my Father in heaven. The word confess means to identify Him as your Lord and your Master. That you follow Him as His servant. Here's the positive on that. If you're one who goes, I do believe Jesus, I believe the gospel, I do speak my faith, I don't change when I get around people, I confess it. You're like, man, that's awesome. Because you know that Jesus made you a promise. I'm going to confess you before my Father in heaven. What if I fall? What if I fail? What if I make mistakes? I'm going to confess you before my Father in heaven. Are y'all awake on that? Sometimes, here's the thing. If your basket is trying to hide your flame, just fan the flame. You confess your faith in Jesus. You don't let the devil tell you, be quiet, don't say that, be embarrassed, be ashamed. What is this person going to say? They know your past, they know who you were. Yeah, they know who you were. Now start confessing who you are. It's not about who you were, it's who you are. One of the hardest things, well, I won't go to that, I'm going to move on. Alright, second thing is, you with me Oscar? You got the first point. Second point, uh, baptism is publicly identifying and with the teaching and the authority of the one baptizing. You know, when Jesus came to John, when he was baptized of John, why didn't he get baptized by anybody else? Because John was the only one with authority. God gave John the authority of the prophet to baptize. Isaiah chapter 40 teaches us that very clearly. We won't go into it. But but he was the one who was going to identify the Messiah. And, and the Spirit was going to descend upon him and he was going to recognize, John was going to recognize that and he was going to declare to Israel, this is the Savior. And when Jesus came in another gospel, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yet Jesus came and he submitted to, because he was identifying with John's message. He was saying, this is the truth, what he's saying. And I'm submitting to the authority given to him by God. Now listen to me. When you're baptized, you know, in Acts chapter 4, it talks about 3,000 people who were saved on the day of Pentecost. And it says there that all those who gladly received the word, they were taken and they were baptized and added to the church. Talking about a local, visible body. They heard the word of God. They believed the gospel. They received the gospel. They were baptized and then added to the number of the church. They came into submission under the authority of the church that God has established. When you're baptized, you're baptized by a local church because that is the one God has established his authority with, according to Matthew 28 and a lot of other scriptures there. But here's the thing. You submitted coming to not only the church authority, but the commands of God. When you're saved, what you're saying is, He is Lord. Now listen to me. A Lord-servant relationship means Lord says, servant does. Lord says, servant does. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? Okay? And so the first thing Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, all authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Talking about win them to uh, give them the gospel so that they're saved. Teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things which I have commanded. And so you see that in Acts. They, they're teaching. Peter speaks the gospel. The people believe. And the next thing happens is the servant submits to the command of the Lord to be baptized. It's an evidence that his heart has been changed and he has submitted to the commands of the master. 
And he is baptized. And you keep reading in Acts chapter 4. It says that all the people were there together. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in prayers and in breaking of bread and in fellowship. They were fulfilling the commission given by the master or the Lord because they were obedient to the commands that he given. Why is it? There's so many people that, you know, it is good that you come under the submission and the authority of the church because it's the church's responsibility to make you a disciple, to equip you so that you can edify the church so that we worship together and we fellowship just like they were doing in Acts so that you become spiritually strongful, stronger, that you are useful to the Lord and it gives you an opportunity to serve. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where somebody in the New Testament is a born-again believer and they're detached from a church. That would be like going, I signed up with the Texas Rangers. I got my jersey. I show up at a practice every now and then. I show up at a game there. No, you become a part. I'm not trying to tell you, oh, here you go, tell us we ought to be at church. I'm saying, for your benefit, you become a part of something. You're baptized into something. You become a part of a family. You become a part of a church because what you're saying is, I identify with this church, with this group of people. I believe the same thing they believe. I believe we're on a mission here. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that lost people are going to die and burn in hell if they don't receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that God's put me here as a part of this and I I want to do something. Not just, yeah, I did that and I walked out and now I try to be moral. That's crazy. <clears throat> Here's the thing. You need it and we need you. You understand that? Okay, final thing. Let's get done with this. Publicly embracing your identity with Christ. If you don't get nothing else, please get this. You'll notice here that Jesus comes and he's baptized. It says, uh, in verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. He was submerged totally in underwater, not sprinkled. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. So he was identified by the Holy Spirit, alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was his son before his baptism. Understand? But here's the thing. God the Father speaks from heaven. And he speaks the identity. He declares, listen to me, he declares his identity. There is a transition taking place in Jesus' life. Prior to this, he was a carpenter. He was identified as Joseph, the son of Joseph in the public view. Okay, he was always God's son, but the public saw him as Joseph's son, the carpenter. You remember when later on when he went back to Nazareth, they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Now here's a transition. At the time of your baptism, you are making a pub, you're identifying publicly that you have a whole new identity that has been declared over you. You're not saved because you did something. You're saved because Jesus declares you innocent, justified, whole, blameless in His sight, in love. You are bought. You are His. He declares that. Just like God, Jesus didn't stand up and say, I'm the Son of God. The Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And at the moment that you submit yourself to the gospel, Jesus declares righteous. I declare Him righteous. I declare her holy. I declare her new. I declare them forgiven. They are a child of God, born of my spirit. They have a home in heaven. They are sealed until the day of redemption. Can you not get excited about that? Good Lord have mercy. And so when you look at that, here's the thing. 
I also want you to notice, right after that, so why did, you know, Jesus knew that He was God's Son. Why in the world did the Father say, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased? If you look in chapter 4, Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, He hungered. Now when the tempter came came to Him, He said, if you are the Son of God. Three times He said, if you are the Son of God. You know what Satan attacks more than anything else in your life? Your new identity. He doesn't want you to embrace what Christ has declared over you. What Jesus declares, listen to me, what Jesus declares over you and what grace accomplishes overrides your feelings and emotions. You say, I don't feel clean. I don't feel saved. When I say check your heart, I'm not saying check your feelings because sometimes I don't feel saved. I don't feel holy by any means. I am holy. Why? Because He said I was. He's declared it. And just as this, that's what Satan's going to attack. And he doesn't want you to embrace that. He's always going to call you into question in your standings with God. Because here's the thing. Satan wants to keep the real you on the inside. He wants to keep your new identity covered up. You know, here's the thing. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Clothes are are an expression of who we are. That's why I don't wear a suit. I'm not against suits. But I don't wear a suit and tie when I preach. You know, when I first started, I did because everybody told me I needed to. And I felt like such a hypocrite when I stood up there in a suit and tie going, this is crazy. I've never wore suits. I don't want to be buried in a suit. I hate suits. I'm just, this is who I am. You understand? And so sometimes you wear your clothes as an expression. Some of y'all ladies, you notice how my wife dresses. She's crazy. And you know, and she is, and I love it. And sometimes she, I, I hear different ones go, that looks crazy. I'm like, that's because that's who she is. Okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right? And she knows what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I love her crazy. And some of you, you know, here's, here's, <laughs> here's one of the things. We need to take and apply what, hopefully you don't do this, but what some people do when they start working out. Have you ever noticed, especially people in their 40s, when they start working out, they wear less clothing. Have you noticed that? I mean, three or four days. You can look like me, you know. And all of a sudden, you do a little weightlifting. and the next thing you know, Willie comes in in a wife beater. <laughs> it's only been three days, man. I know you feel different, but don't, you know, let fact override feeling. Amen. I got to pick on you a little bit. But and it's terrible, you know. Something it, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Like some of you ladies, put that junk back on. We don't want to advertise it. Keep covered up. Be modest, okay? It's for your, that's for your spouse, all right. But here's the thing: we we automate. What are we doing? Because we are so happy with what we're seeing that we want everybody to see it. Right? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You start wearing tighter clothes. You look in the mirror and lie to yourself and be like, yeah, I am all that, and you ain't. Okay? But, but, but with Christ, you know, here's the thing. What happens is the devil wants to keep you in old clothes. Your flesh, your old man, that's your burial clothes. You're buried in Christ. It's what the picture of going under the water is. It's a watery grave. You were buried in Christ. And that's why it says in Colossians, put on Christ. Let what's on the inside come out. That's okay spiritually working out, but physically keep dressed. 
But here's the thing. When, when you start working out your salvation, when you start walking with the Lord, what's on the inside? Let the new man go. Satan wants to keep that oppressed and he wants to keep it on the inside because when the real you gets loose, you start being a city on a hill. A lot of the world, people start seeing the testimony of Christ in your life and they want to turn their life to Christ. And so here's the thing. Baptism is like the first step of empowering your new life and identity that you have already been given. You have to start embracing the life that Christ has given you. And this is what Jesus did. He began His ministry at that point. God the Father spoke. He said, You are my beloved Son. Before before Satan ever tempted Him. Do you think that when Satan said, So if you are the Son of God, you think that that, that, that day when, when the Father spoke and said, You are mine. That's why it's so important you get into God's Word. So that you look in Ephesians and you see about 14 different things there of your identity in Christ. And so when Satan goes, Are you? Are you really? Then you hear the voice of the Father go, You are. You are because I have said it. You are because I bought it. You are because I'm the one who said you are. It doesn't matter what that snake says. If I said it, it overrides everything. Right. <clears throat> so finishing up. Get this point. You will never become what you do not embrace and you will never embrace what you do not confess. You will never become what you do not embrace. You will never live out all the blessings in favor of a believer of God if you never embrace what's been declared over you. And you will never embrace it until you start to speak it. The most difficult thing is what I was going to say well ago. And I'm almost done. But this is what I was going to say well ago when I stopped. The most difficult thing maybe ever in my life was not for me to, to make a profession of faith. It was to say, I'm a preacher. For years. You know why? Because the devil had my old clothes on. You remember what you used to do? Remember what you used to live like? Hey, here comes Kenneth. Not that Kenneth's bad and we did bad things, but we, we did some things. And that's between me and Kenneth. But I can remember right after I surrendered to preach, you know, walking up front of the church, it was awkward. You know, I went from having hair to here to having this in a week, and I haven't never got it back, and, and I'm standing up there in a suit. Corny is what it was. And now I say everybody in church, God's called me to preach. I surrendered to preach. People are like, what? I mean, I actually saw people, what? So I dealt with that. But the heart, what was harder than that was, and the next week, when I look up and Kenneth shows up, and like, the Lord's like, you going to tell him? I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> you know? But I did, you know, and I told him, and he accepted it good. He probably laughed afterwards, but anyhow, he's here today, amen? I tried. And so here's the thing. You know, if I would have just went, I ain't going to tell nobody, I ain't going to tell nobody, I'm not going to say it, do you think I would have ever embraced it? Do you think I'd have ever been standing here? I could have stood up for the church and went, oh, God's calling me to preach and sit back down and never do nothing with it. You can stand up for the church and go, ah, Jesus saved me. But you have to embrace who you are or you will never experience what God has for you and you're going to allow the devil to steal the destiny that God's died to give you in your life. So finishing up, my question to you this morning is, is Jesus your Lord and Master? And if He is, you're a new creation. You're totally 100% forgiven. A child of God in Jesus Christ. You've been raised to life. You've been given a new life in Jesus. He has a plan and purpose for you. And you have to begin to embrace that and speak that and pursue that. And you're going to see that. But are you one of them? Here's the thing. 
that somebody needs to tell you if they always coddled you and told you it's okay for you to be an undercover believer. If you're going to embrace mercy, you have to embrace the cross. That's why Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross. There's nothing clean. There's nothing prestigious. There's nothing glorifying about a bloody cross. Because the blood represents what we have caused. And all of us, I would say, well, I want mercy. I want, I do. How many of you say, I don't care if Jesus confesses me in that day. More than anything else, the first thing I think you'll probably think of when you die is, man, is he going to confess me? Maybe not. Hopefully you got that settled. If you don't, you're in trouble. But at this point you say, I definitely want Jesus to confess me. If I walk out of here today and choke on a chicken bone that some woman left in a dressing today, and I fall over dead on the ground, do I want Jesus to confess me? Absolutely. I want mercy. Do you want a cross? Because that means I'm going to confess Him. You see, my mouth is an expression of my gratefulness and my love and my gratitude for the mercy that He offers me through what He's done for me on the cross. And here's the thing that's awesome. When I talk about expressing, and I didn't get to all my messages this morning, just be who you are all the time. Well, that's going to offend people. Good, let it offend them. Let it offend them. You're not doing it purposely. Speak your faith. Speak who you are. And get out of the closet. And you heard me say it before. Christians have gone into the closet that homosexuals came out of. We want to be quiet. We don't want to be... You know, and I told my wife, I said, homosexuals aren't going around knocking on doors going, hey, I think you ought to be a homosexual. Let us convince you to be a homosexual. They're not doing that. They're just coming out going, we're homosexual. That's what we're doing. And they're sweeping the nation. I didn't tell you to go out and start beating doors down telling people and convincing them. If you just be who you are and be proud of it. I am a Christian. If that offends you, so be it. I'd rather offend you than offend Him. And if it upsets you and it doesn't go with your lifestyle, I didn't ask you. All I said was, I'm a follower of Jesus. I am very proud of my Father in Heaven. I'm very proud to stand by the Word of God. I'm very proud to know that Jesus is my Savior and I desperately needed Him and I ain't backing off of it and I didn't ask you or anybody else to like it. Man, that's the kind of Christianity America needs to see. We should be sweeping the nation. Cleaning it up, amen. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, let me ask you this. Do you have that in your heart? Do you have that conviction to go, He is the Lord of my life. He is my Savior. Do you realize what He did so that you can have that? Stand up and speak it. For goodness sake, for the Lord's glory, live it out loud. Speak it and don't be ashamed or embarrassed of the gospel. And you'll start seeing the power of it in your life. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and your Lord, listen to me. It ain't no church thing. It's not a religion. It's an opportunity for a sinner to be forgiven. Jesus died on Calvary's cross to pay for our sin that we could never pay for so that we could humble ourselves and go, I want you, Lord. I don't want that. I want you. I want you to save me, to forgive me, to show me mercy, to give me life. God, will you do that? He'll save you right where you are. But if God saves you, man, let some people know. If you've never been baptized, you've never made a public confession, let some people know. Quit being ashamed or embarrassed and quit letting the devil keep you (laughs) hidden in your old man. Start living who you are as a new man. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? (coughs) 